special edition of Voices from SA in that this is um, actually an online panel discussion that I hosted last week as part of the activity supporting Africa PodFest. Um, the PodFest itself was due to be held in Nairobi 12th and 13th of March last week, but was unfortunately postponed due to uh, measures taken by the Kenyan government t against the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic. The organizers did not let this bolt from the blue stop them and um, instead arranged a number of uh, online panels to keep the spirit and the content of Africa PodFest alive. And I'll give the information to those um, uh, at the end of the show. Regarding COVID-19, um, I would just, I'm no medical professional. I suggest you uh, go to any of the websites of your national health authority or, or the World Health Organization for any guidance on preventative measures. Um, please support Voices from SA via the Patreon page. Become a patron, www.patreon forward slash Voices from SA. Uh, let's get on with the show then. Um, as I say, it was a virtual panel, so we were sitting in uh, different countries, um, the United States, Kenya, and South Africa. The title for the panel discussion is, What is Radio's Place in a Podcasting World? The session is about radio, which is where on-demand audio came from. In light of the growing crossover between radio and podcasting, we envisage a tipping point, a tipping moment, where there will be more interest and investment in podcasts than in radio. If podcasting is to fulfill its potential, what are the practical considerations with regard to radio's place in a growing African podcasting ecosystem which we need to address? Um, I was joined by panelists Shandukani Mulaudzi, she's uh, from the Children's Radio Foundation based here in South Africa. Camille Stanley, she's a journalist who works for USA Today. She's based in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. And Paula Rojo. Uh, she is one of the organizers of Africa PodFest and also runs Kali Media. Please now enjoy this virtual panel discussion, What is Radio's Place in a Podcasting World? I'm joined by a number of excellent guests. And if I could start with... Camille, please, just to introduce yourself, and then we'll go to Shandukani and then Paula. Hi, my name is uh, Camille Stanley, and I am a podcast producer uh, and journalist in, uh, based in St. Louis, Missouri, in the U.S. Um, I've been a journalist for yeesh, uh, over a decade now. Uh, I started in, in newspapers and did a lot of investigative work, and then about five years ago, crossed over into the audio space, um, worked at a public radio station, and um, and moved there to do podcasting. And so, uh, yeah, I have fallen in love with it, and uh, I, I just love playing, um, playing with sound and telling stories that way. Sandakani. Oh, I'm Shandukani Muraudzi, and I am based in Johannesburg. Um, my current job title is executive producer of podcasts at Children's Radio Foundation. We are in the very exciting place of 
show development for a new podcast that we're trying to launch here, but that will cover a number of young people around the continent. So we're very excited about that. And um, I've had a history in um, journalism in digital as well as um, magazines and newspapers um, and branding at some point as well. And so um, to find myself back with my first love, which is audio, is very exciting. And this is a really good place to be. Paula. Excellent. Yes. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, my name is Paula Rogo. I am the co-founder of Africa Podfest, which is where we would have all been given different circumstances, um, but, and then also uh, the founder of Kali Media, which is a women-focused media company out of here in Kenya, from which I have created Kali Pods, which is uh, going to be a women-focused, East African women-focused podcast network. Uh, journalist by training that somehow found herself entering the media entrepreneurship space, and building what is now Africa Podfest. And excited to talk to all of you today. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. Um, it's, it's really a pleasure for me to, to meet you all, um, unfortunately not in person. We will meet in Nairobi one day, I'm certain. Um, Paula, I'd like to start with you as one of the founders of um, African Podfest and just get a sense of what your thinking was around the, the, the title for this, for this particular session that we're, we're, we're engaged in now. What is radio's place in a podcasting world? Um, my sense was always that it was kind of the other way around. Um, and so I just want to get from you what, what your sense of the pulse is in terms of if we're allowed to say radio versus podcasting um, on the subcontinent in particular? Yes. So the title was very intentional. We wanted to center podcasting as the focus of this conversation rather than have it be sort of the step sister uh, to radio, which often feels seems to feel the case when we talk about podcasting, at least within the Kenyan context that I have been working in. And um, we really, as a team, myself and uh, Melissa Mbukwa, who's my co-founder, and Joseph Nkayanjai, who's part of the, um, the leadership team, actually realized how important this, this uh, particular panel was. Uh, because um, based on an interview we actually did with BBC a few weeks ago in sort of promoting the podfest, and one of the questions which didn't make it to air that the journalist asked us was, is, is Africa even ready for podcasting? Are we too early to be even talking about podcasting? And this was um, BBC, which is a very, at least within the African context with their world service, has a really strong radio base here in Africa. Uh, when we talk about radio in Africa, it is king. Nothing else competes with it. It's one of, it is the strongest medium. I can throw quite a few stats to you about that. And so here I, we were as a team talking to someone who was from the, if radio is king, one of the, uh, 
the strongest aspect of that kingdom, uh, talking to us about how podcasting, uh, implying that podcasting was sort of reaching above her breaches, basically, in claiming its mm. faith. And so for us, um, in choosing the panelists that we've even chosen today, uh, we know we wanted people who could speak to both sides of radio and podcasting and not see it as a one versus the other, but just sort of have it as a conversation in which we figure how they play together um, in this audio space, especially as, we, as, as it expands within Africa. Cool, thanks. Um, before we go on, I just wanted to, I just thought I'd throw out, we were talking earlier, Paula and I, offline about trying to get some stats, or just, just give people some sense of how podcasting globally has, has, has grown and, and, and even in, uh, in, uh, on the African continent that's supposedly not maybe perhaps ready for it. Um, what, uh, for example, um, this is from Amplify Media. The podcast movement is a, is a recent uh, event that took place in the United States. And the guy's commenting uh, four years ago, six radio people in attendance. This time around 2,300 attendees, hundreds of people um, from every, uh, virtually every commercial radio company, he says. So there's, there's something going on there. Um, you know, you have national public radio in the United States, and Camille perhaps will be able to comment a little bit about this, uh, launched uh, their podcasting uh, project in 2005, 170 programs, every 10. 10 years later, um, sorry, 170 programs uh, by November that year, 5 million downloads. 10 years later, 94 million uh, downloads. It, it, it seems to be sort of an exponential uh, and massive growth. 550,000 podcast titles on Apple Podcasts, more than there are movies on the IMDb database of, of, of film. Um, but... I still am trying to sort of place where podcasts are in the broadcast or in the media environment in general. My experience in the podcasts that I listen to, um, and certainly um, uh, Shandu Kani from a South African point of view, I think you'd agree, most of the podcasts in this country are, are, are simply rejigged radio programs that are sort of more on-demand radio programs rather than curated um, uh, podcasts uh, for, for, for specific niche listeners. And I'm just wondering how you, Shandu Kani, uh, to react to the, the title of this, of this uh, session in that kind of context. I really love the name of this, um, this, this topic because I, I'm always thinking about this. And I think that for me, radio and 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 podcasting are very complementary. The one can benefit from the other, and vice versa. Um, I think within a South African context, the on-demand kind of um, radio that is referred to as, as podcasting makes me very upset <laughs> because I'm just like people work so hard to create podcasts and to just call. Um, uh, on-demand radio podcasting is just like 
you know. Um, yeah, I tell you. I, <laughs> I'm just like, I studied for this thing. It's not, it's not the same. I, it's not just cutting something and putting it on the internet and, the, and then calling it a podcast. Um, so, and, and very recently someone said to me, they're like, you went to school for that? And I was like, no, let me explain. <laughs> um, so I think, for example, if, if we think about the um, national broadcast in South Africa, the um, SABC, um, it would be remiss of people who are working on, on podcasts to not look for collaborative spaces with the national broadcaster in order to reach wider audiences. Um, like Paula said, <laughs> Radio is king. And if you don't bring people's attention to this other medium that is trying to um, make a dent in this market, then it's, we're going to end up in a situation where we are forever niche um, and are not um, being part of the mainstream conversation. And the way I see it, what, what, what podcasting is to radio is what digital a few years ago was to print. Um, the two complement each other and um, digital is an extension of, of, of print and therefore so is podcasting. It mm. can find ways to enhance and make radio something bigger or you know, give more focus or more time to certain topics that we often cannot fit into the radio clock. Um, so I, I, I love this topic and I think that I am very excited about this, the types of things that people can do in Africa um, on radio as well as in podcasting together. Uh, Camille, you, you sort of have straddled and you, you've kind of, not, I suppose not in, got in at the ground floor, but you, you, you have many years now in podcasts, you've worked in radio and now for a, a newspaper. Um, and I just want to get a sense of those two different worlds and how they are treating podcasts or how they see podcasts as a means of um, growing their uh, listenerships or readership or vice versa or read readerships or vice versa. So um, it's very interesting, the journey that I took. Um, but before I, I dip in a little bit of that to, to explain like kind of the different worlds, um, something that, uh, that really rings true to me about podcasting and, and how it like is akin to digital and print um, is for me, podcasting, I think one of the things that, that sets it apart is it disrupted the audio industry because of kind of the democratization of the distribution. And so when we think about how, um, you know, in print, you have kind of your legacy big, uh, big media players, and they kind of set themselves apart as like, we're the only ones who can do this thing. Same thing in radio. You know, we're the only ones who can do this thing, and we broadcast it out, and we're great at this. Um, and I was trained in that system, so I, you know, I'm a believer in that. But the thing that happened with digital was the distribution method and uh, the distribution method, one, and just 
the, the tools that everyday people had meant that they could participate in making content and making media. And the same thing is happening with podcasting. And so suddenly the space, audio, the space is more inclusive. And that has freaked people out because suddenly like there are tons of people who are creating content. And I remember this very distinct tension that happened when I was still a newspaper reporter and blogging suddenly mm. exploded. And oh, we, were having, we were having these conversations about, well, if citizen journalists and who gets to call themselves a journalist and who gets to call, like, is a blogger, like, is that a step down from a journal? And we had all these, we were just so in our heads and in our feelings about it. And I see the same thing happening with podcasting because now you have radio people who are like, we're the ones who make stories with audio. And we're the ones who you know, do that. And like, oh, is a podcaster a step below? Is a podcast producer a step below uh, a producer at NPR? Well, there's a lot of people making great stuff who don't have the training, who didn't go to school, who didn't like, and so it's freaking people out. But ironically, I grew up with a mother who had me listen to, um, we listened to NPR in the car. I did not love it, but she would put it on. <laughs> right? And, and it, so it was something that was a part of my childhood radio. And yet I became a journalist and I never, ever saw myself as a black woman having a place in that world in my profession. And yet I was a journalist and I told stories. But when St. Louis Public Radio reached out to me to, uh, to recruit me for, to come help them with, um, produce a podcast at the public radio station, that was my end. So I actually came into public radio through podcasting. And so I came in in the back door. And I think that that has something to do with I was drawn as a journalist and just as a person to kind of the storytelling possibilities of podcasting and feeling like, oh, yeah, this is my world, even though it's all audio. But for some reason, there was there was a, a barrier there where even as a professional storyteller, I did not feel included into the professional audio world. And so I, I entered into this, di this different door. And I think a lot of people who are doing podcasting now, it's their way into this world that for some reason, not for some reason, for many reasons, we can get into that. That's a different conversation. We know the reasons, mm -hmm. but that are, there are barriers there. And so I think, mm -hmm. I think that's freaking people out. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say your, your earlier question was about being in these two different worlds because I have lived in kind of the newspaper, digital, yeah. print world and now into audio and, and, and how does podcasting fit into both those things? I think a lot of people um, may have misconceptions about the U S podcasting scene. And the, the truth is maybe the dirty secret is like, we are just as in the wilderness. <laughs> as everyone else. Maybe, we're, maybe, maybe we're a little bit further along into the woods, into the forest, but we're still in the, in the forest, in the woods here and people are still kind of trying yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. I think um, it, it sort of reminds, I mean, we've, we've, uh, 
you spoke about blogging versus uh, journalism. I, I suppose it also reminds me a little bit about the music industry coping with um, Apple, uh, iTunes, or um, Spotify. These just distribution models, um, MySpace, even things like that. Just these these multifarious channels that now that are that are open to people um, to to allow them to create, to express, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, and I think uh, you say you're in the woods. I suppose. Well, if you're in the woods in the United States, we're, we're all in the woods. But I think it's, it's it feels like a friendly woods. I don't know, Paula, what you say. I really appreciate the context you gave there about how um, big media is viewing podcasting, um, which is also in context of this conversation. One of the things. Uh, two things that have happened within Kenya as it pertains to the podcasting space. Number one, the early pioneering podcasters and those who are actually having the biggest impact in the market right now, not necessarily by numbers, but maybe by impact, are um, uh, podcasters who are were, who themselves fall outside mainstream media or their topics fall outside mainstream media. So the ones that come top of mind are, for example, the Afroqueer podcast, which speaks directly to the LGBTQ uh, community continent-wide, but it's recorded here in Nairobi. Um, one of the top podcasts for a very long time and still is, is um, The Spread, which is a uh, sex podcast by Kaz Lucas uh, that has now expanded into so many other different things. Uh, but here she has this space that she's created that where she's talking about sex and freely. And, um, and so it's these sort of, and she's found a niche audience for it. Um, and so it's these, so what's interesting to me to hear about South Africa, that a lot of the podcasts are big media, just sort of repackaging uh, what is already on the radio and calling it a podcast, that's not the case here. In fact, big media here has been very, um, they're going through, uh, there's been a lot of layoffs in the last year with our biggest media houses. They're very nervous about making moves about digital because what does, you know, their video was big uh, a few years ago. And then, so is, does this podcasting thing fall under that? Um, and so even for PodFest, it was really key that we created this uh, event that was actually separate from the main program where we brought uh, some of the senior leadership in um, editorial from different media houses around uh, Kenya to just teach them what podcasting was and the opportunities for it because um, in many ways, they were looking at it and not sure and weren't sure what to do with it, but could sense that podcasting was coming. So it's very interesting to hear that South Africa seems more, however, the form of the podcast, uh, their bigger media seems to be more open to to at least um, trying the out podcast. The idea, yeah. 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 Um, Shandakani, I just wanted to... Um, ask you now, uh, the Children's Radio Foundation uh, training young reporters um, around the continent, uh, voices of communities, when did you 
just can you just give us a little bit of your organization's journey or relationship to to podcasting? Because I imagine you you started up training radio journalists, and now you're training podcasters, or you giving them podcasting skills. What? How do those different? How has that sort of come about? So, um, the organization itself, the NGO um, part of it, is still continuing with radio um, training because the platforms that the young people have access to, most of whom are in high school, um, are the community radio stations in their area. But we realized that a lot of our young people can't get into university after um, they've gone through our program um, and don't really have a lot of opportunities in their areas to do that. So um, part of creating a program or a, an organization that has longevity in it has been this idea of giving these new skills so that people can create new opportunities and so that we can create new opportunities. Um, and so what we are trying to do in the long run is to create training programs that will then assist us in ensuring that our youth as well as other young journalists, because as Paula said, a lot of jobs are running out in journalism, um, have opportunities to create this um, new world of, 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 of jobs that they can get into through um, podcasting. I mean, it's not just the training of how to report for podcasts or how to interview for, for podcasts, but the writing, the producing, the engineering, and things like that. The technical which, skills as well. Yeah. Yes, yes, which contribute or which, which, which aren't really things that people think about when they're in the radio side of things or any other kind of media. Um, I think the other thinking for us was that, you know, the NGO space is also in a very, very difficult position um, as funding runs out, right? Mm -hmm. And so we saw an opportunity with podcasting to also to be for profit on that side of things so uh -huh. that we are not completely reliant on funding in the long run and we can still keep the NGO running otherwise we're going to run out of funds or we're mm. going to have to do things in order to get money that are not cool. Um, that's, that's kind of quite interesting. So you're creating almost your own podcast channel using the, your, your, uh, or you giving your students the opportunity to use your channel for their, for their, um, for their own projects. Yeah, that's what we're hoping in the long run. I mean, yeah. this is a, this is a, a, a very, um, what do you call it, a, a big idea and what seems very, very daunting at this stage of the game. But um, what, we, what we are planning on is a podcasting company which mm. is own animal outside of... Yeah, yeah. Your, yeah. On its own. Cool. Um, Camille, I, I, I sort of wrote, I wrote here in my... my my, my notes, um, breaking news is breaking news. So radio will always have the edge when it comes to that, to news. Um, and then I've written here, differences between radio and podcasts, live versus on demand, mass versus niche. 
Do, do you see perhaps a world in the future where public radio or radio broadcast radio will be kind of strictly news and music and then people will get their more in-depth kind of niche content from podcasts or, or is that kind of, how do you see that working in the future? I, I think that um, based on what I'm hearing in the U.S. that we are at a moment, um, at least here in the U.S., where it's really a blend because I think because people can get, because people can go in their cars or sit at home and turn on the radio and they can hear news, but they can also hear podcasts, whether they seek them out on their phone or their local station is playing like an episode that people are actually, um, we're, we're conditioning people to hear, uh, hear both. And mm. some people don't, can't even distinguish both. They just think that sometimes they hear news and then other times they get sucked into a story um, that if they're, they know what podcasts are, then they know that they can also, they can get more of this in this other world <laughs> on, a, on their phone or wherever they're listening to podcasts. And other people are just radio listeners who are getting all these different, you know, getting like a well-rounded meal because I think it they is, just, yeah. and they just think that that's what the radio has become. So I do mm -hmm. think they, I definitely think that they can coexist, and I and I don't think that either one is, um, either one is going away, so to speak. Um, more so, what I hear is people who, uh, a lot of people my age who who maybe just listen to podcasts because that's mm -hmm. kind of where they came into audio or where yeah. they experience. So they're not listening to the radio, even though they could, in theory, maybe in some places here, both news and, and podcasts on the radio, they're just not even turning that on because it's, mm. it's literally a different function that you have to do. So, Yeah, that's, that's um, something I've, I've noted here as well. I'll just throw it out here to, to you, maybe Paula and then Shandifan, you can, you can follow up, is about the sort of... Uh, the new way of listening and that the younger generation like uh, Camille and, and yourselves, um, fellow panelists, and not me, I'm an old geezer, but uh, you youngsters, um, you, you, you have a device now um, that allows you to access all of this um, audio information. Is that going to be then the way um, that and I'm thinking of a of a, Afri a sub-Saharan Africa in particular massive young population. That will be the way that people will um, not only access news but all kinds of audio information via a device. Paula. Yeah, just this excites me. I'm getting excited getting to this part of the conversation when I hear Shandukani talking about. Uh, training youth, when I hear Camille talking about what her age group and peers, how they're accessing this audio, that's what excites me. And then, of course, Nicholas, you brought up these youth, these youth numbers that are always being thrown in our face um, about how uh, I think majority of the continent right now is under the age of 2020. Let me just stop there. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could pull. So majority, and I would Melissa. say, yes, where is this number? <laughs> I think it's about 70%. 
and that's me being very yeah 70% of i think the continent is is under the age of 25 i'm just going to be a little broad there that sounds kind of right yes and and this particular age group does not have uh for a medium that they have fully connected with yet um and so the opportunities there then for podcasting especially when you start talking about the democratization of podcasting and what it's done in terms of allowing different voices uh um uh into um the mainstream or just into the stream in general um is 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 really really key in this aspect and is why um i think some people also get nervous also when they consider what podcasting could do uh and so um if we just look at the trends and and that's why that's why it gets very difficult one of the biggest questions you always get at africa podfest is can you share some data can you share some numbers on podcasting numbers yeah. we there's there're no numbers of that kind yeah. here in africa but what we try to do is say okay here are radio numbers here are youth numbers and we try to 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 imply and 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 sort of give people a picture if they were really to consider what would happen if we set up the ecosystem in a way where podcasting could thrive because as as it currently stands um it cannot thrive in this particular ecosystem for example there is not one distribution platform that most people can go to we are an android continent and the android um owner does not open their platform to africa what does then that mean um mm. whatsapp is one of the biggest ways that we share things right but um and and actually there are whatsapp only podcast networks i think there's one there's a show specifically in south Af- south africa what's whatsapp whatsapp i think it's mm. what it's called from volume africa very sorry sorry volume if i got that wrong and you know people are considering distribution in those kinds of ways but um what does it mean when a barrier to podcasting is the cost of a microphone which is expensive to most people right mm. uh what can, what would happen if all we had to do was use our phones to record uh to cut edit and to and to distribute uh uh podcasts and that means certain technologies certain softwares have to be put in place specifically thinking about the african context and so that's what podfest was for <laughs> that's what it is. for these kinds of conversations to happen they get me excited as you can see mm-hmm. uh because you then start to connect the dots of different people with their different experiences uh Shandukani and what's happening with uh, CRF who know radio very well and know youth very well and understand what it would take to connect moving into podcasting that says a lot for CRF to be say to say the children's radio foundation to say i am also going into podcasting so a lot of interesting things are coming up for me as i hear all of you sort of share your thoughts yeah um i think you know the way and i think this is the 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 the, the part of me that took a break from journalism and went into the branding space for a little bit <laughs> um understanding that you know our audiences are the same as 
any other customer, right? And the way in which brands look at their customer bases. They're the loyalists who are people who've been with you forever. And those are what you have referred to very, which I don't like, Nicholas, as the old geezers. <laughs> um, and then you have the people who are like a hybrid of, of two different experiences who might have um, grown up with their parents uh, being the um, loyalists of a certain brand, but also have um, influences from other brands and also want to forward and they Therefore, if we use an example like Nike, we'll go for um, the sort of fashionable shoe, but isn't necessarily the most fashionable one or the, or, the, or, the, or the latest brand. And then there's the last group who are just, you know, where they have been placed is whatever comes out first, that's who I am. And so the way that I think about it is you have in our, in our context, we have the audiences that will also act based on being referred to also if you give if you tell my mother for example mom i have a subscription to apple music and you can use it then suddenly she's going to start playing playlists in her car and knows that that's something she can do right and then you have us who will do the hybrid we still have our cd players in our homes as well as the apple music and spotify and whatever and then you have the kids who are probably going to go digital first, but then hear somewhere that, you know, one day CDs are going to make a comeback and you want to have them. And so they're going to buy the CDs and they do that for like this weird sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm so cool because I do retro <laughs> kind of thing. So the audiences are always there in different places and they are constantly trying new things depending on what feels good at the time or what feels interesting at the time. So even if I am not necessarily going to listen to the radio on my way to work in the morning, I might listen to a podcast like The Daily that is breaking news, but take the breaking news to another level because they go a little bit deeper into the, the, the facts of the day. And then maybe still go to my phone and read more about those things and hear what happened on, it, on, the, on the go in terms of the breaking news of that story so that I can understand the context that The Daily was giving me and how it looked and whatever. It's the same idea as what social media does with people is that yes, fine, people might see the links on social media and read the headlines, but they still will go to the platform where they can read more about the, the, the thing and see and see and see what the news of the day is. Um, I think all these audiences coexist and I think that they all are very important for us so that we understand, okay, cool. So even if we do go into podcasting, how do we make people aware that the podcasting exists? And huh. how do we make sure that the podcasting doesn't exist in a vacuum, but is accessible to everyone on um, in, in, in the audiences that we're trying to build? And that also will then lead us to conversations about language in an, in an African context, because we need to be very aware of the fact that many people are not speaking English in mm. um or, or, or French or Portuguese. And so how do 
we reach those people in those different contexts as well. Camille, do you um, want to say something? Yeah, this is so exciting. This is so exciting. Um, Silly question. I, I think the the best thing about this conversation is about what I what I love about being in podcasting is because we are all kind of we are all. Uh, it's going to sound so clinical, but like media practitioners. And yet what's exciting about podcasting is like, it forces you because it's so much closer to audience. Like this is where all the interesting, like exciting things are like this, this to me is what's exciting. What excited me when I was, uh, you know, 19 about journalism, the possibilities, like trying to make an impact is what's like, oh, I've, I've kind of rediscovered that passion in podcasting um, but where I think we are, we, we all are going is how do we make sure that we capture this excitement about what's possible and, um, really getting down, getting, getting kind of in the weeds with our audience and making sure that we're making something that's meaningful to where it has to go for, for us to keep practicing, which is not always the fun part, which is like, how do we make it sustainable? And by sustainable, I mean like literally, how how are we going to make it um, financially possible so that the opportunity yeah. exists for people who make podcasts to do it and to also pay their bills, or people who um, are are figuring out the distribution are doing that in a way so that it's not is there is there a way for podcasting for us? for it not just to become sucked up into the giant media machine and yeah. can they just overtake it and, mm. and for to keep, keep the spirit of this, of this conversation and still really break through and make something um, uh, that's, that's good. Will the democratization like hit, I guess our pocketbooks <laughs> as well? Um, Cause we all know it's, it's extremely hard to make money. Um, as well, but I think that's important, and but but not losing that in like the spirit of what we've been talking about and the possibility. So, mm -hmm. but it's all super excited, super Can exciting. I say something funny about um, what you're talking about with the with the um, keep making sure that we can all still make money and the big machine doesn't take us. It's like the conversation about legalizing weed. It's like, no, guys, we can't, we can't allow people, <laughs> the big corporates to take over the weed industry because the small man on the road who's been selling weed for many, many years can't be thrown and cast aside because now we've made this thing, this like big money making scheme. So you're right. I, I just mm. put that up. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to making some money one day. <laughs> nice one. Can I ask? There's a sense of big corporates coming because now, like just based on the data that Nick shared earlier and about um, podcast movement and how it was only so many radio uh, radio folks who came to it a couple of years ago, and then suddenly it's a lot of people are looking at podcast on your side of the world. So does it feel like it's losing its its charm? It's small. Uh, connecting with the peopleness, I guess, or I don't, I don't think it's it's not it's not lost its charm yet. But I do think that uh, eventually it will it will become like um, it's like that girl who 
like that girl who like she's she's not super cute yet, but eventually she like gets a makeover and suddenly like everybody's like, oh, that girl's so cute. Like and everybody wants to, wants to get with her. And so eventually like the podcast scene will like will she'll grow up and she'll be like, oh my gosh, like, oh, she's, she's cute. Have you seen, oh, I haven't seen her since middle school, but have you seen her recently? Like she, yeah. So it been, and, and at that point, like everybody wants to, to like glom on. I think we're getting to that point definitely in the U.S. where, where I think podcast is like grown up enough where they feel like, wow, we actually have to take this seriously and we want to make some money. Um, but I don't think it's to the point yet where um, there's still not yet like a fight or a chance to, to truly make it, to keep it, make it and keep it something different, uh, a different type of media. And that's where I, that I, where I hope that it stays and where I think Africa has a, an amazing opportunity right now because of where it is to really carve out something, um, that can be, can be new and different and stay new and different and not get just swallowed up. Right. And I think we're at that strange in-between place because, um, well, it's like Shandukani sort of indicated a little earlier about you don't want podcasting to remain niche. You'd like it to potentially become mass market. But what happens when it enters the mass market area? And for us, <clears throat> what's been interesting is, is when radio presenters move into podcasting, and we've had a couple who've done that. One who did it exclusively. She only podcasts now and is actually, I think, has been one of the biggest, um, in terms of biggest influences in terms of education about what a podcast is because she was already so popular. And so when she moved over into this podcasting world, a lot of her fans moved over and figured out what podcasts are. And she bought a really interesting base into the podcasting space. And with that, also potential advertisers and sponsors who are also still looking at podcasting as what is this strange thing and can I treat it the way I treat influencers? Now, mm. I'm not sure how influencers are treated in South Africa, uh, but within Ooh. Kenya, they're popular, they're respected in terms of the numbers and of eyes they bring but I don't, corporates don't know how to deal with them respectfully. And so in many ways, um, podcasts also being digital is also falling into that space of um, you, we know people look at you and listen to you, but we, we don't know what to do with you say and and Shandukani you came from branding at some point maybe that world and maybe you're seeing something quite different within South Africa but I know for us even explaining about the podcast festival to corporates was a little mind-blowing to some people yeah yeah Camille you seem like you have something to say but I just want to quickly touch on the the influencer space is different and it's difficult so there's there's two there's two ways in which i think corporates are actually to blame for a lot of what's gone wrong um is that they would use influencers based 
just on the numbers that they have on their following or whatever, but mm. did not think about the brand alignment and the ideas where it, it's about authenticity. And audiences are not stupid, right? We get to a point where we're like, uh-uh, there's no way that this person um, should be talking about, <laughs> I don't know, like maternity wear when they've never had a child or like... Um, you know what I mean? So it's just these weird, these weird sort of um, things where they would choose someone who was completely wrong for the brand. And then now you're like, okay, well, then influencers are stupid and we hate influencers. But it's not the influencer's fault. If, if, if someone is willing to pay me to talk about maternity wear and I ain't got no other job, I am going to... <laughs> I'm going to sell the maternity way, you know, if it is what it is, we're trying to make money. So, um, so I don't blame the influencers and I also don't blame audiences for the way in which they've responded to it in that sense. Um, I, I think that there has been mistakes when it comes to, I guess the middleman who's the, who's the advertising company on deciding on which influencers to use. Um, when it comes to, uh, celebrities or radio personalities going into um, into podcasting. What we did have was um, two very big radio people who did that. Uh, well, three actually. There's one called um, Gareth Cliff who started his own thing called um, Cliff Central. Then there's Thibaut Touch who was on Metro FM who started Touch HD, which <clears throat> Was a, I'm not sure if they were actually liquidated or not. Um, and also then there's DJ Swoo, who's got massive Metro. But all of those are actually just online radio. If you listen to them, it's radio online every day, right? But it's not podcasting. Um, and so there's, 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 there's that element of it where, where people are interested, but are listening to it much later but and aren't really sure if this is a model that works some of the people in some cases are not getting paid to be on those platforms so it's just it's it's very murky um so i don't know like i i don't think in south africa at the moment we have very big people with big followings right now who are doing podcasting yet what we do have is people who have tried to get into radio and it's been so difficult to get into radio that they were like, actually, screw the system. I'm going into podcasting and I'm going to do my own thing. And a very um, good friend of mine, Simi Arif, who was also supposed to be one of the speakers, was one of those people. He tried by, you Simi is very pushy. He tried very hard to get into one of the big radio stations and they kept shutting him down so he was like okay guys bye thank you so much i'm gonna go start my own thing and he's doing pretty well um and trying to find different ways in, in which to um monetize his podcast so there's there's opportunities there are some people who are trying to take advantage due to their influentialness but it's yeah, and also, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say too much because then now people come after me. 
Camille, you wanted to say something. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say in terms of like the, the swallowing <laughs> that happens, you know, um, he, here in the U.S., when we talk about media and big media, we are often talking about the and, and, and who's in and who's out. We are, as with most things in the U.S., we are, we are also talking about the racial dynamics. And um, here, I think one of the things that uh, that people worry about, or at least journalists of color worry about, podcasts of color worry about is we're in this medium that, like I said before, you know, is, is kind of the, the democratization of the audio space. And I think one of the things that will be a marker on whether or not we are able to um, either cre create something new and better or if it just ends up, you know, in a few years, we're just like, well, just got swallowed up, is if in the kind of growing up of podcasting, if the people and the voices who have been creating and who are part of that expanded, um, expanded field, if they are part of this new whatever it is. And that, to me, is a really good uh, signifier of whether or not uh, as it, as things get bigger, you know, as you want things to get, you know, you want it to become big, you want it to become mainstream or whatever, who is allowed to be part of that? Who is allowed to get a piece of that? Who is allowed to um, have their own companies like Kali Media and, and, and play in that space and create new things? Where are there actual new avenues that are being created? Or is it literally just the same people who have um, controlled everything from a long for a long time. Just come, <clears throat> swallow it, spit out the things and the people that they don't like, and keep it moving. Um, and so that is something that I think is a is a good marker for us all, wherever we are, to to look at like who are the folks in in the U.S. It's, there's definitely a racial component. Um, and on the continent, it might be different, but you know the people right now who are kind of in charge, have been in charge of big media, wherever you are. And as podcasting um, flourishes, if the people who aren't part of that um, right now, but are in podcasting and then like never also get to that, to those areas. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a good indicator on what, how, how we play these kind of changing media environments. Yeah. It's it's fascinating, you know, the, the whole um, you know podcast as this podcasting as this kind of guerrilla sort of uh, outside the mainstream movement, and at the same time this this uh, this monster waiting to pick and choose uh, the bits and pieces on the buffet that that it that, that it wants to to eat uh, and and own. Um, there have been a couple of listener questions, and I've just because of the conversations just been kind of rolling along so nicely I've been unable to, um, to to deal with any of them but I'm going to just take one up because we do have to uh, start winding this up as well this is to Shandukani by choosing to podcast is CRF saying that radio is dying no <laughs> no we're not saying radio is dying at all in fact when we think of our strategy it rests a lot on radio. <laughs> we can't do this without radio. It doesn't make sense in a South African context. Um, we 
are very aware that most people, all, all of our relationships that exist, exist with community radio stations. And we're very aware that most people don't have access to, um, to, to, to internet radio. They, I mean, to, to the internet period. And so if we don't have platforms that we are using for people to access what we are creating, then we are wasting time. And this is something that I've said a couple of times now is that we can't do any of what we are planning to do without distribution models. And distribution models being the radio um, as part of that and then the internet as the other part. We're, very, we're well aware that, you know, the, the, our primary audience won't have, won't have the, 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 the access that we need them to have, but we, and, and to make sure that we, we don't leave them out of the conversation, we are working to have those collaborations with community radio stations and the national broadcaster. Because one, the SABC is hungry for content. They got opportunity. So, you know, that's a very good place for us to knock. And community radio stations are also a good place for us to knock because they're also getting shut down one by one because apparently they are all the same. And, you know, um, we're getting to a point where Samro is saying there's just too, 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 too many of them. Sorry, not Samro, the, the other union that we have. And so we have to, have to, have to use radio. Um, and radio does not exist separately in fact i feel like podcasting is more of a competitor for video than it is for radio because it's the same it's it's also on digital yeah. so i i i don't know no no radio is not dying it's not dying it's not gonna go anywhere um tv was supposed to kill radio radio refused to die so i don't i just i just don't see that happening anytime soon we just need ways to continue to be able to fund ourselves mm. and to yeah. make sure that we are continuing to find opportunities. Otherwise, then we stagnant. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's uh, you and I must talk at some point. Um, that's those all very interesting points. We need to wrap it up now. Um, I'm just going to ask uh, each of you, uh, Camille, Paula, and Shandukani, just to give us a, a minute or so of your closing comments on the whole state and future of podcasting, uh, wherever you are. Camille. <laughs> I mean, um, 30 seconds. This whole, this whole conversation has been so energizing and um, not that I don't already feel this way, but I just like podcasting is so lit and I am like thrilled that I kind of tumbled my way into it um, and super excited to now um, having these connections to think about it in a global way. So I can't wait to one day meet you all in person. Paula? Yes, I agree with everything you said, Camille. Um, these are exciting times. Um, they're changing times. And what podcasting was last year in Kenya is different this year. It'll be different three months from now. It's just changing a lot very quickly. And it's not moving in the same direction that it is in the U.S. or in the West. 
which is what is very exciting to me. It's this very sort of pioneering aspect in which we are moving. And I know it's very exciting because when I have conversations with similar podcast communities in Latin America or in the Middle East or just in, well, I don't like using the term, but in the global South, um, they are also on the same wavelength that we are in terms of where podcasting could go. Uh, what I'm excited about is now seeing um, this, put, this space that Camille was talking about where you turn on the radio and you don't know if you're listening to a podcast or a radio show. I still don't even know how you tell the difference. And is one supposed to tell the difference? That's very fascinating to me. Um, and so, and then also just the the getting it to a point where just the two mediums just really intertwine in a way that just bounces off each other beautifully, um, and especially in an African context. How exciting is that for all of us? Yeah. You, you get the last word. So is, is, is Africa ready for podcasts? Yes, we are. Um, we just have to be very, very inventive about how we get our audiences to jump onto those um, platforms. Um, South Africa's, uh, for example, radio drama uh, you know, popularity is still very, very high. Nice. Africa's um, history is in oral traditions. So, of course, we're ready for podcasts. It just makes it sense. It's an extension of who we are. So, sorry, BBB. <laughs> <laughs> Pass along your message. <laughs> and say, you said it, not me. <laughs> Honestly, they were doing video here. Why would we not be ready for podcasts? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah. Um, time to wrap it up. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to all three of you. Um, fascinating, really great. And I can feel the energy here. And I'm sitting in a darkened room in Kilani in Johannesburg. It's transversed, traveled around the world. Um, and uh, thanks, Paula, for uh, putting us all in the same space together. And I look forward to meeting you all uh, in Nairobi one of these days. Thanks a lot again for your time. Thanks okay. everyone. Nice okay. to meet you all. Bye. 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 Apologies there for the sound quality. It was I think just a bandwidth issue. Um, it's going to be my future for the next couple of weeks. I'm now frantically arranging. Um, I'm looking at various kind of solutions now for, for online um, interviewing. Um, I was happy to at least then dip my toe in that water. It's a different, uh, as you can imagine, a different kind of um, experience, uh, Not which I'm used to is, is more face-to-face discussions. So, yeah, we'll see how that works out. I'd like to thank Paula, Melissa, and Josephine, the organizers of the Africa Podfest, for allowing me the opportunity to moderate the panel. And thanks also to the panelists. Um, I mean, you could hear the thing just rolled along. It was it, it really just flew that hour, flew by. Um, as Camille said, podcasting is lit. Um, you can find uh, the 
other virtual sessions at www.africapodfestival.com forward slash virtual dash sessions. I'll put that link on the audio boom page. Please become a patron. Help keep the Voices from SA Project alive. Um, with your support, I can bring you many more amazing people and their stories uh, from South Africa and hopefully beyond. That is my dream. Thanks again to Hindenburg for their support. Hindenburg software is designed for radio journalism and podcasting and is practical and easy to use. Go to hindenburg.com for more information and sign up for a free trial. You may subscribe to Voices from SA via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Deezer, or indeed wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your colleagues, tell your friends, tell the world. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Claude. Cheers. Cheers.